from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome to Guys We Fuck. The anti slut podcast. Yo, you haven't said I'm Christina Hutton. I'm Corinne Fisher. And I'm the fuck Hey, what up, fuckers? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the Anti-Slut Shaming Podcast. I'm Corinne Fisher. I'm Christina Hutchinson. Hi, did you watch our comedy special? You guys have honestly, okay, I want to be say, you have been so You've good been really about good it. With the comment There's anyway. so many people who will be like, oh, sorry, I didn't comment. I watched it so many times. You don't need oh, to apologize. Thanks. We appreciate you watching it so much. It's just that, exactly, like if you're good, if you're there anyway. Yeah, you might as well just throw it. Might as well throw great. a like, a comment, wow. a subscribe, all free things. Yeah. All so, 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 so helpful. Yeah. And we appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm, you guys have been so uh, receptive to the comedy special and we appreciate it. Share it on social media uh, let a friend you know watch it <laughs> let a friend use your youtube yeah. i don't know what i'm saying here <laughs> yeah um but it's amazing uh also on that note uh thank you for all the incredible comments on apple Podcasts. yeah every week there's really nice. more more new comments and it's really uh incredible and we're very happy um to be back uh, that everyone you know so that everyone can listen yeah i was call i was calling on people on my social media to comment if they hadn't left a review on apple Podcasts, and then so many people responded they're like oh i didn't know you were in front of the paywall again i'm like how did you not i boosted the post of the trailer well no no no. i knew that was gonna happen i think it's gonna happen i think it's gonna take like a, a while year yeah. for people to really realize it and that's kind of why I, I like to you know ask you guys to leave comments and yeah. there's a lot of people who are back and we're getting that youtube bumping and the mm-hmm. tiktok is bumping yeah. so yeah. 
yeah. I've been telling all the girls on the dating apps. Oh, thank you. Nice. Back, thank you for doing your part, Michael. <laughs> thank you for doing your part. So we Listen to the it. podcast where these two women talk about have a big, big dong. Yeah. Big dong. Yeah. It couldn't possibly be anything in it for you, Michael. No, no. Not some pussy. Speaking of big dong, Mike, uh, if you have music to submit for guys who fucked all the music that you hear on the episodes, our users submitted, uh, send Mike Coscarelli streaming links and uh, and MP3s, MP3s to GWF podcast music at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. All right. And if you want to email us, it's sorry about last night's show at gmail.com. Make that subject line really Juicy. amazing but accurate. Uh, my abusive ex-boyfriend is emotionally affecting me and my work. Cute. Nice. Hello, awesome bitches. New Luminary subscriber here and loving it. Love, 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 love you guys. Thank and y'all. even cancel my Netflix to Whoa. get more of you. Oh my you. God, that's honor. That, what wow. An honor. Wow. Thank that's you. a big one. So please tell me if I'm being a dumb bitch. Okay. I've recently gotten out of an extremely abusive relationship to a person who I had moved across the country with. We are originally from New York and decided to move to Southern California. There were no issues until the day we moved. We shared a two-bedroom apartment, separate bedrooms, so we had our own space. The abuse began right away with him yelling at me for things such as putting bikes back wrong like two inches over from where it should be or following him into our shared kitchen when I wanted water if he was already in there cooking. It got so bad I was not allowed in the kitchen if he was in there cooking. He would scream. That's so controlling. That's bad. That's wild. He would scream in my face and call me a child when I would cry in my own room after he would barge into my room to call me a fucking crybaby. He hates himself. Jesus Christ. And told me I need it it's weird to save all this until i the know move, but and the told, move triggered something yeah and told me i needed to leave because it was distracting for him let's just say target parking lots were my safe space for crying oh. for his Ugh. sake i know he was he has mental health issues and dealing with some old family trauma cool. literally no cool. one cares fix it literally no one cares if you don't fix it it doesn't matter either way this continues for months and i decided to walk out one day for the weekend to get space he called me during the weekend not giving me space of course and told me how much he loved me and wanted Ugh. to do couples therapy and told me I don't know why I call you a crybaby I think I'm jealous because I can't show emotion and you oh. can sorry I was yawning because I was so tired of his excuses um, and like a dumb bitch I took him back and tried to forgive fast forward a few months later we both end up moving back to New York to our oh, hometowns wow. wow we were still trying to work on this is also wow. a lot of wasted money and time yeah we still were trying to work on things until one day it just didn't work anymore yeah it seemed like it, it hadn't wasn't working, working. You're just trying to make it work uh, he asked if we could still be friends and I told him no good, good. his first response was but you're friends with your other ex yeah who didn't call me a bitch I still told him no and that it didn't matter or have anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. After this, he continued to message me telling me to have good days at work. Stalking. Oh, my God. Giving me birthday wishes. Ew. Um, and asking me if I if I wanted him to pick up my favorite chocolate. No, you manipulative piece of trash. I told him to please stop messaging me because I said I didn't want to be friends. Yay for Fuck me for it. finally sticking up for myself. See ya. He responded angrily with a huge long message I didn't really fully read and then blocked his number. A few weeks following this, I feel great. I dive headfirst into my job, which is the same job I used to have. This is my safe space. I love every single one of my workers and we are hot shit. (laughs) 
I'm a physical therapist and work in holistic uh, osteopathic clinic. Cool. And we get people from up to two hours away travel to come see us. We are good at what we do. Hell yeah. And then the other day I walk into work and I get a bad feeling. And there he is. Oh. My ex getting treatment from a coworker. Oh, that manipulative trash. Yeah. I can, and also I can't believe you. If That's you're that, disgusting. If you're that close with your coworkers that they he, they, they should never allow that. Him. That's abuse and stalking. My heart races and I feel terrible and feel all that terror creeping back mm. in from all the yelling, name calling, gaslighting mm-hmm. and kicking me out of my own apartment. At this point, I don't know what to do. Do I talk to my boss? Yes. Mm-hmm. I know he has the right to care. Not at your place. Yeah, not I at mean, your place of business at all. He has actually has no right to be in your place of work. That is so like Yeah, you're you're not you're a private practice. I'm guessing you're. It not, doesn't matter. You're yeah. not a government practice. Right. Oh, right. Right. Uh, I know he has the right to care, and I totally get why he'd want to come here. We are no. so popular, girlfriend. Girl. Girl. No, no, no. Girl, he wants you to think that. He probably hit his own knee with a hammer. He's exactly. Fine. <laughs> he fell down the stairs because he pushed himself. You're going to tell him to make like Carrie Strug and walk it off. Yeah, uh, baby. And he was never physically abusive, but it's emotionally Doesn't affecting matter. me. Doesn't matter. Emotional wounds hurt more. This is insane. This was my chance to shine and feel safe. It is your chance. After all this trauma this last year, and he's now put himself into that space. Yeah, also, on purpose. there are other clinics in the area. Why come to the one that you work at? Okay. Stop making he, he uh, stop making any logical reason why he's doing that. He's there to stalk matter. you and make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. There's no other reason he's there. And he's reliant on you making excuses for him because that's how he gets away with his bullshit. Yeah, his body's fine. Also, and also if it's not, we don't care. Yeah. Uh, also, if he really wanted this company, we have another clinic. And t- yeah, yeah, it, I'm actually yeah. not even reading this part of the email. Yeah, this yeah. is insane. Uh, what should I do? Should I attempt uh, reaching out to him and just, no, no. no. And, and politely asking him to go no. to another clinic? Is that you should fucking call the police and get a restraining order yeah. is what you should Girl. do. No contact. Girl. Is that too much to ask or should no. I just ovary up and deal with it? No, no, no. Oh, I feel so great um, him being completely out of my life and I want this feeling to continue. What should I do? Thanks, lovely bitches. These are the kind of, I don't want to scare you, but this is the kind of men that fucking kill people. Stop it. This is insane. Yeah. Stop making excuses. Don't this even. person needs to fucking have a strong message. You talk to your boss and then I'm not joking, you talk to the police. Yeah. This has gone too far. This yeah. has gone too far. You need a restraining order and I'm not gonna like you're you're in physical you're in imminent danger this guy's a fucking psychopath yeah you need to you need a you need a restraining order yeah you yeah, need a restraining yeah. order and you need all and i'm glad that you work at a place where you really love uh that your co-workers because they all need to rally up and be on your side yeah and create uh and create like a boundary for you because this is out of fucking hand and i don't know who i don't know if you had told the story of your breakup um and whether a breakup is fucking toxic or amicable in quotes i don't really believe in them um whether it's toxic or amicable, uh, you, your your coworker made a mistake by accepting him mm-hmm. as a client that Correct. was absolutely. Um, if if the person had the information about your breakup, that was not okay. Um, not to put uh, the onus on them, but this whole thing is yeah. a fucking mess, it, and you yeah. need to act quickly, and you need to make sure that you have no contact with this person. Block, block, block on everything. If he's been in your house, change your locks. I I know it seems like I'm being like over protective here or like wiling out, but I'm sorry, like the amount of people who are attacked and no one gives a shit so you have to give a shit about yourself like yeah. you're gonna contact the police and they're gonna be like they're gonna like you know like yeah, they're their gonna eyes yawn. closed yeah. eating a fucking donut yeah. right right out a fucking um, restraining order thing but I'm telling you this is serious and you need to take it seriously yeah, yeah. If, if if you had a friend in your life and you moved to cost country and you were roommates and that friend started verbally abusing you you'd be like what the fuck and you get out of there and if that friend showed up at your work There'd be no fuck you. No. Are you fucking kidding me? Absolutely not.
even if it's overreacting, better safe it's than not. sorry because sorry is dead for That's women. Cra- but the second, sorry is dead. Yeah, and the second you said he was showed up at your work, I'm like, I got a pit in my stomach. Like, that's not, that's fucked up. Absolutely that's not. That's fucked up. Absolutely not. And also make a fucking sheet with his face on it so any receptionist who's like not close to you or something knows, put it there. He's not allowed yeah. on the fucking premises. He, yeah. I'm not joking. No. No. This show is sponsored by Better Help. Getting stuff off your chest is incredible. It's so therapeutic. We all carry around different stressors. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. A lot of them are very big. Uh, But we keep them bottled up, and it could start affecting us negatively. And then we act like a jerk to the people we love. And we're like, this is not how I want to be. Therapy has saved my life personally. There are so many benefits of it. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Although if you have experienced major trauma, highly recommend. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. Guys, the weather's getting warmer. It's time to say goodbye to your jackets and all your sweaters and you got to refresh your wardrobe. Well, luckily... I found Quince, and now you have too, because you're listening to this. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you go to their website, the amount of categories, they have travel, lookbooks, men, women, home, babies, and kids— their stuff is so cute. So I own a couple items from Quince, and one of them is the Italian leather handwoven crossbody purse in green, emerald, and I get compliments on it all the time. It's a small purse, which I really love because then I don't put as many things in it. Um, guys, Quince is amazing. They have very luxury items for very cheap prices. Get warm weather ready, baby, with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash GWF. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Guys, come see us live. 
Um, London, May 12th, Leicester Square Theater. I'm going to be headlining. And then the next day, May 13th, I'll be in Dublin, Ireland at the Sugarland Club. Uh, and as always, you can listen to my solo podcast, The Voices in Our Heads on iTunes or the latest episodes are available. Patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. All right. And then Fort Collins, Colorado. That's coming up. Coming up. I've been promoting it literally yeah. for my whole life. It is coming up. Um, it's, I booked one gig and I forgot booking it and it was last year and there you go. Uh, it's April 15th and 16th. Four shows at the Comedy Fort. Uh, gonna be fun. Uh, I know it's not Denver, but it's I'm flying into Denver. So you, people from Denver, you are invited to also come. Uh, and uh, what else? Um, Without a Country is every Saturday on YouTube. That's a news comedy show with Shane Smith. It's not like The Onion. It's like real news, but we just like then make jokes about terrible things. It's real fun. Um, I honestly love it. And, and then also a reminder, I was just thinking about this because I do pay like $15 a month to keep it up there. Uh, if you haven't listened to Two Less Lonely Girls, that's still up there. Uh, Justin Bieber was on the Grammys last night, so my love for him was reignited. But mm. it's if you love pop culture... Like the oversized suit? Rosebud and I, I think, put out a really fucking good show uh, with Two Less Lonely Girls, so you can take a dive back into that if you haven't listened yet. Uh, as we said, rate and review. Uh, guys, we fucked on Apple to bump it up in the comedy charts. We have been sitting pretty in the top 100, and we nice. appreciate it so much. Uh, also, of course, watch all the free content that we made for you on YouTube. We have our comedy special, our special day. We have mm -hmm. the Dumb Bitch Woo Woo Hour. Ooh. We have Did That Help. We mm -hmm. have separated clips of jokes. Like, we have yeah. so much much fucking and content. we will be having clips of the podcast up there like long form like you guys have been asking yeah we're so, gonna do full episodes subscribe of the, of the podcast. to our youtube channel yeah so get on get on board because um you know we're we're paying people um a very some money a good amount of money to do this so we want to make want sure that people it. are watching it subscribe so it's youtube.com slash guys we fucked without the you and fucked and then of course we're fucking blowing the fuck up on tiktok and that's at guys we fucked without the you and fucked yeah all right Woohoo. Um, so as I mentioned, yes, I wanted to uh I, I saw this article. It's from I'm not even gonna say it because I fucking actually hate this company. Yeah, they yeah. Um, but they wrote a great um article that was going around. Uh and it is about this woman from America's next top model, Angela Press, or is it Angelie? I guess it's Angelie. Angelie Preston. Uh and I don't know if you guys remembered, but in like 2011, uh, she won uh, season 17 of America's Next Top Model. And then like the next week, uh, Tyra Banks came on and was like, because of unusual circumstances, she was stripped of her winner's crown. And we never kind of really knew what happened. I actually myself forgot about it. That was the one where she was like, we're all rooting for you. No, okay. I no, the I only don't, moment I, remember I don't think show. that was. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that, that was someone fucking up. Their that own was opportunity. some. Yeah, that was someone who like fucked up. I don't think that person ended up win winning. But anyway, it finally um, was revealed that the reason she was uh, booted from the show was because she had a very short stint as a sex worker. And I so. Fuck well, I mean, God. in 2011, people definitely gave a wow. fuck. And even now, I think they would give a fuck. Wow. Well, 
and, and but that's but okay but that's why the kind of when people Very ask us about you know like being a sugar baby or going on OnlyFans, i try to give really realistic advice because yes i agree with your perspective like yes no one should care and it's wild yeah you still have to deal with them caring. but the reason i give the kind of advice that i do is because if you think that it's not going to come back to haunt you pretty quickly um you're you're incorrect and even with things like i've really like changed the way i post on instagram with like nudes or like booty shots and like the re part of the reason i don't do that anymore is because like yeah network tv shows aren't gonna fucking put up with that mm -hmm. and like i'm not trying to fight a whole system to get an ass shot up basically you know and so i think it's unfortunate that we have to weigh the pros and cons of uh, of doing things like that when it's just expressing ourselves and our bodies. Um, but I thought this 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 story really reminded me of like how far we still have to go as a society when it comes to sex work, especially if it's escorting. Because if they were having, she was having sex as an escort, then that's just prostitution, which is illegal. And then I started thinking it's of like, well, it's like should anyone who's committed a crime not be able to win? And I don't agree with that either. I think like, I mean, yeah, if you murdered someone, if you went on a rape, if you raped someone, I think those things, there, there are some like unforgivables. But I think like maybe if you like, you know, robbed a convenience store and then, then you, were, you turned your life around like you're a lot like we have to give people opportunities to better their lives yeah. and and sometimes that is by going on a TV show and showing this talent you have because think of it like if you're incarcerated you have to make up for all that lost time and like so you don't have that opportunity to like go around and like play music at at cafes the way someone who wasn't incarcerated building up would. a music career yeah so maybe yeah. sometimes you just have to go on american idol and let's and then should you not be able to do that because you held up a, con a convenience store uh you know 10 years prior no i mean yeah, I it's think, fucked up yeah i, I it's, you probably it, did it's that because you were hungry i mean it's like jesus christ the, like, the way is. that the way that society treats any criminality is just so fucking disgusting because it's exactly opposite of what's actually going to help somebody uh you know um get better well yeah and in the this article goes into the story and it's very interesting because she was basically hungry it's preston became desperate for work one day while walking down jamaica avenue in queens a stranger pulled up beside her in a luxury car he introduced himself as t and asked preston if she was mm -hmm. a model she described him as a super attractive and they exchanged phone numbers however during their early conversations she felt something was off she mm -hmm. remembers feeling like she was being recruited for something unrelated to modeling pimp i straight up asked him if he was a pimp and he he was like, are you a hoe? And I was like, what? No, she says now, but it felt kind of playful. I was very naive. T yeah, told yeah. Preston to come meet two of his friends, both of whom went on dates in exchange for money and luxury goods. The women she met were, as Preston remembers, very beautiful. One had a designer dog in a Louis Vuitton bag. Both had their hair and nails impeccably done and wore designer shoes and Rolex watches. They told Jesus. Preston that all she had to do was go on dates to reap the same benefits. There was no sex involved. It was too good to be true but i still went along with it she says t soon flew preston and uh, the other two women to north carolina upon arriving the women told her that they were heading to a strip club that's mm. how they found their dates preston became uncomfortable she didn't want to go and used menstrual cramps as a reason to stay behind nice they looked at her one woman said a uh, girl t's not gonna like that at this uh. point preston realized she had made a mistake very few people knew where she was she told the rest she was traveling for a job in real estate she wanted to leave but didn't have money to fly back to new york i didn't want to tell Fuck. my family that i gotten myself into a situation with this guy 
die and now needed money to get back home. Tell your family. Uh, so Preston stayed and accompanied the group to Florida next. I, your family yeah. might your family might make fun of you for accidentally becoming a prostitute, yeah. but they're not, they're not going to be like leave you in danger. Yeah. In South Beach, Preston says she still didn't understand that T expected her to have sex in exchange for money or the inflexibility of those expectations. One time, while in a car with T and his cousin, Preston flat out refused. T told his cousin to get out of the car. He opened my side of the door, and all of a sudden, I felt a boom <laughs> on the side of my face, she says. <laughs> T just punched me, and he broke the designer glasses I had on. Oh Preston God. alleges that T assaulted her on multiple occasions. She describes them as out-of-body experiences and a contributing factor to why she didn't leave she yeah, didn't yeah, know how yeah. to advocate for herself against someone who wielded so much power and part of her felt like she deserved it she says mm, the modeling mm. industry is notorious for offering inadequate resources and protections <laughs> for working models mm -hmm. the industry is largely unregulated but the other problem and I would say an, uh, an even bigger problem is that there really aren't labor unions or a strong notion of workers protections available within the industry at all and so uh Jeez. And then so, yeah, this is people getting into like anti-sex trafficking anyway. I just wanted to read that part. So it's like because it, it really infuriated me that not only was she stripped of something that she worked really hard to earn and deserved on that on America's Next Top Model, uh, but she was also herself a victim. So it's like yeah. she's getting punished oh on God. both sides oh, that's for it. So fucked up. And listen, was it a naive, naive decision to go with a guy in a car? Yes. I'm not going to try. Have I done that? Yeah. I'm not going to try to say that it's not. Of course it was. But desperate times, desperate measures, and something, you know, unfortunately when things seem too good to be true, they usually are. So this is both kind of like a story of warning because I feel like Although I am pro sex work, I do feel like we get a lot of emails that are very kind of um, uh, casual about sex work. And I do not think that it's a casual thing. You have no. to put a lot of thought into it and make sure that you're emotionally ready um, and, and understand that there is a lot of physical and possibly if you're not in the right place, emotional danger involved in that line of work and that you need to take it seriously. And it's not just like a fun, carefree way to get make a quick buck. I think for very few specific personality types it might be um but even for those personality types you have to play defense against all the terrible awful people that are in the world and yeah. you know like i don't like to like i don't want to like create hysteria but like there is just more danger when you're a woman and, yeah you know there, i mean statistically criminally look at the records yeah it's or, the biggest threat to a woman's life is a man yes on that note, this man isn't a threat to a woman's life. In fact, he has helped so many people, including myself. I am such a big fan of this person, as is Corinne. We're a huge fan of his on the show. He's an author. He's a journalist. Um, he's an LGBTQ plus community activist. He's a writer for the sex advice column Savage Love. He is the host of the Savage Love cast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor to welcome back Dan Savage.
BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Okay, we are here with legendary Dan motherfucking Savage. So excited to be speaking to you again. <laughs> Hello, oh, it's been God. too long, I know. Thank you for having me back. I was on really early, soon yes. after you guys started. I was one of the mm-hmm. guys you hadn't fucked no, who come, yeah. came on the show. And we had a lovely conversation about prostate milking, and that's when I learned what it was. <laughs> I ha- I'm happy to report that since then, I have milked a prostate. And boy, oh boy, that's a power trip I could get used to. (laughs) And better than oat milk, worse than oat milk. (laughs) Pretty much the same. Uh, You don't get the rush of um, power with oat milk the way that you do when your fingers are up a man's asshole and he's coming and his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. Uh, Oat milk doesn't give me that. I wish it did. True. Um, There's two kinds of prostate milking, though. You can really give someone an explosive orgasm or you can just kind of like let the air out of their balls where the cum just like kind of runs out of them and you've <laughs> drained them, but you haven't oh. given them the pleasures of an orgasm. So if you were getting Whoa. an explosive orgasm, you were combining prostate milking with stimulation of the yes. penis. He and was jerking himself head. off. Mm-hmm. Right, and I had go. his balls in my mouth and my fingers up his, up his <laughs> asshole. And he, he, he went one of these like, whoa, like he made a sound that I was like, I didn't even know a man made that sound. It was... <laughs> It was delightful. And I, and I thought of you, actually. Oh, <laughs> what a nice story. You know, some cognitive behavioral therapy can take care of those intrusive, unwelcome thoughts during sex. And I imagine that's what I am if you're thinking of me during sex with some hot straight guy. Yeah, this is this this was a good one. This wasn't anything I'd want to therapize out of my out of my routine. I was just like, wow, he would be pretty proud right now. That was a good sound that came out. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, we're so happy to have you back. Um, and I love, I love your show. I listen to it all the time. And one of oh, the things thanks. I love so much about it is at the top of the show where you talk about a current event or a law by some shitbag politician who's like anti-gay, and then he has a you know a male prostitute in his hotel room, and always it's such a tale as old as time. Uh, how do you have the patience to? Um, you, you were talking about a senator from Portland, a Republican, or somebody who wanted to be a governor recently from Portland who was caught um, at a sex club or it got out that he did wife swapping like swingers, right? And he had, when the news was released, he was asking for understanding and saying that it would actually, it makes me a better person, a more well, well-rounded candidate. However, he is anti-choice. He, is, he has no understanding for these other areas of life that he is not personally involved in. And how do you have the patience to not scream when these types of stories arise. <laughs> well, if you listen to the top of my show, I, I'm sometimes screaming. I, I scream yeah. them in advance so I get the screams out of my system before I sit down to mm. record them. It's important. That guy is just another terrific example of the general Republican failure of having any capacity for a moral imagination. If it's happened to me, it's a real thing. It's a real problem. If it happened to you, fuck you. Um, my yeah. kid came out as gay. I'm for gay marriage. Oh, your kid's gay and my kid's not gay. Fuck your kid. I got right. addicted to drugs. I'm for treatment over incarceration. You got addicted mm -hmm. to drugs. You go to jail. Um, Megan mm -hmm. Kelly, when she was on Fox News, they didn't have maternal paid maternity leave. And suddenly she was for that after she crapped out a kid. But before that, <laughs> fuck you. You know, it was lazy woman who just had a kid or man who just adopted a kid or is co-parenting a kid. Nancy Reagan was for stem cell mm -hmm. research because Ronald Reagan had fucking Alzheimer's. You know, if a Republican doesn't have Alzheimer's or someone they love doesn't have Alzheimer's, fuck you, got to save the babies, no stem cell research. That's the GOP disease. All these stories we've read over the course of the pandemic about, you know, an anti-vaxxer, right-wing Trumper going to the protests, refusing to get vaccinated, then they get COVID, or then they give their mom COVID and their mom dies, and suddenly, oh, they're pro-vaccine. Because it ha finally happened to them. Yeah. And, and that's the, the, this guy in Oregon who's running for governor got caught, uh, he and his wife going to swingers clubs, they, had, they joined a swing club in Portland, Oregon, and they kind of got outed for it. And suddenly, like, where his dick and his wife's pussy are concerned, pro-privacy. And, mm. you know, respecting the sacred, uh, you know, element of marriage that, like, what goes on in that marriage is those two people's business. And whatever brings them closer together and works them as a couple, we should all respect. Unless right. you're a gay couple. Unless you're, uh, you know, a straight couple that run afoul of some other GOP fucking shibboleth. And it's just... It's the one true thing of all Republicans. Until it happens to me, it's not a problem. When it happens to me, it's the only problem. Mm. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm always like, is there something that can be said so that we don't have to wait for the kid, the guy's kid to be gay or the guy's mistress to get pregnant? Like, is there, but I, I don't know that there is. I think that it's just experience is humbling to them and that's about it, I guess. And when it comes to COVID, every single one of them is gonna have to get it to get to, to, to come to this because, you know, yeah. one of them gets COVID and then he suddenly gets religion about the vaccine. But the, you know, Republican Trump flag waving idiot next door who hasn't gotten COVID yet hasn't gotten religion about the vaccine until mm -hmm. he gets mm -hmm. it or, you know, his wife drops dead. Then he gets religion. 
and it's exhausting and there's literally no reasoning with these people but we're trying you know we, when we scream and yell up at them we're yelling at the people on the margins who can yeah. be moved and using them as an example i'm not trying to slap the dick out of some closet case's mouth it won't work um, <laughs> they won't i wish it I'm would just, yeah me too they don't deserve the dick no, I know. But does that ever affect your horniness, though? Like your own sex drive being c- confronting all of this hypocrisy around sexuality? Because it's really hard to not let that seep in for me sometimes. But isn't that part of what's fun about it? Like, I love to sit in that <laughs> contradiction. There's something about who we are sexually that can be delightfully in conflict with how we present ourselves publicly. And if you can mm. harness that and not be controlled by it and not set yourself up where you can be ruined mm. by that conflict or contrast, it's really erotic. It's really arousing. It can be very powerful if it's in harness, if it's you know contained, it becomes like a steam engine. It's really powerful. So that yeah. I don't want to live in a world where there's no kink shame. I don't want to live in a world where everyone's fully reconciled to every like human perversity because it's going to make being perverse and I'm a pretty perverse person less fun. Mm. You're you're right. Yeah, cuz I'm a cuck. I'm a huge cuck. And I <laughs> love sitting in the riskiness of your boyfriend fucking someone in front of you. It is a controlled environment. It is one of the most aroused I have ever been. Like you could blow on my vagina and I would come during these situations. I've never been so horny in my life. And yet my my most of my uh, teenage years was me being afraid of getting cheated on. So it's like playing with that. You eroticize the fear. Mhm. What's Eventually- your What's your kink that you that lately that you've been get, do you have one that you've been getting into that you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable and it makes me horny to sit in it. It makes me uncomfortable to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> 30 years ago, I met Terry, my husband, and like all the sex columnists in the 90s, I was writing a lot about my own sex life. And Terry took one look at that and said, well, you can write about your sex life or you can have sex with me, but you can't do both. And I stopped writing nice about boundaries. my sex life. Which is why I think Savage Love has endured. You know, most columns don't last 30 years. Um, a right. lot of, you know, great columnists like Candace Bushnell, like she just got done with the column. Sometimes you're just done writing the column. But like yeah. a lot of people write about their own sex lives. Eventually the readers began to sense, are you having these experiences and they're genuine? Or are you just like mining New York for material? And <laughs> I never had that like break of faith with my readers because it was it, after Terry came along, it wasn't about me. And so even though Terry's a lot more public about who he is now than he was 30 years ago, I still have this like, if I talk about the shit that turns me on, I'm talking about the shit that turns Terry on. And possibly, yeah, I don't want to get yelled at. That said, I'm a Catholic schoolboy from Chicago with a preacher for a dad. A lot of my kinks can be inferred just from that shame mm. uh power mm. suffering offering it up to jesus except like <laughs> instead oh. of jesus how about a hot boyfriend yes like, father the, the nuns who would say like you know if you're in pain you should offer that up to christ when you stop believing in christ and then you hit puberty <laughs> in a catholic school you're like who, who am i gonna offer this up to how about him yeah uh, who's actually okay. here in the room and has a boner as opposed to uh the dude on the cross who's always coming but never quite does 
And it's kind of a tease, really. It's just sitting there with that hot body, you know, just kind of <laughs> saying, don't sexualize me. And it's like, how can we not? I mean, this is I, every sex club I've ever been to has a crucifix, like a giant human sized crucifix that you can get strapped to. He's kind of thin, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, like the skinny I've been, to a, f- I've been little- to a few of those. <laughs> oh, do you ever go to sex clubs and get recognized? Because that I I don't like. <laughs> Uh, it has happened. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 57. I came out in 1980, roughly. Uh, so right before the HIV AIDS epidemic. And mm-hmm. I have a very highly sort of sensitivity to cooties. I grew up not being able to share a can of Coke with my sister because it would have her mm. spit on it. So I yeah. couldn't go to a bathhouse or a sex club and suck a dick that had been in 30 other mouths or yeah, 10 yeah. other butts. So yeah. I've been to sex clubs. I don't really have sex in sex clubs. I've been an observer. Uh, or I've gone to a sex club with my husband and my boyfriend. And we've gone and had sex together in that environment. Uh, and sometimes I, I have been recognized. But I don't really go to them in America. I would just go in Europe. And Ooh, I'm much smart. less likely to be recognized in a sex club in Berlin, for oh, instance. That's than oh, that's smart. Chicago. That's a very good idea because, yeah, I mean, it makes me feel very. I've been to s- several sex clubs and it just, yeah, the, like the thought of anyone recognizing me, not that it happens so often, it and I like, me can't go so out, but it just like it, it freaks me out. It freaks me out a lot. I don't even really like when people make eye contact with me in sex clubs, <laughs> if we're being honest. I'm just like, just touch a part of my body, but don't, don't, don't look make, at me. It's the eye contact that's the intimacy that I don't want to experience in a sex club. <laughs> Can I share a story about a sex club in Berlin? Yes, please. Yes, 100%. please. <laughs> so uh, my husband and my boyfriend, who was my husband's boyfriend too at the time, and now it's just my boyfriend. It's very complicated. Oh, We fun. were at this sex club in, or sex party in Berlin, this giant basement warehouse in what had been the East, Ber- East Berlin. And there was a sex room that was like about as big as a half a football field. It was just this enormous cavernous bomb shelter space from the war. And... All, you know, there's a couple of like lights in the corner that are throwing like shadows across the room, but it's practically pitch black. And there's tons of men fucking everywhere. And there are slings and there are guys in beds and it's just like crazy Hieronymus Bosch painting. If you could see it, but you couldn't because it was so dark. Somebody leaned against the light switch <gasps> and suddenly on the ceiling, <laughs> these fluorescent lights start going goosh, goosh, goosh. Until they're like they spread through the room, and this room that had been pitch black except for a little like diffused blue light was now a surgery. Oh my god! I watched people like look over their shoulder and see the person who was fucking them that they couldn't see a second ago, and a second ago was like a fantasy, and like whatever was in their head. And then people like pulling out, pulling up their pants, backing away. And whoever leaned against a light switch didn't know what they had done. And so didn't know that they turned the lights on. So oh. somebody had to go get somebody to come down. It was like oh 15 my minutes God. until somebody could turn the lights off. Really there was no bigger mood kill on earth than the lights suddenly coming on in a <sighs> sex dungeon in Berlin in the That's middle so of the orgy. Yeah. Oh my god! That's the worst thing you could do is turn the fluorescent lighting on. Oh wow, that's a beautiful story. I'm so sorry that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasn't like we we don't have sex in sex clubs usually, so we were we were observe we were UN observers. We were white helmets. We were on the sidelines. I watched all this happen. I didn't have to pull my dick out of anybody. You had a 
you had a front row seat to that. You had a front row seat and you got to watch people's reactions. That's beautiful. Actually, that's a beautiful moment. I'm so glad that happened. <laughs> yeah, I'll never I forget was, that. I was uh, very excited about being there for that. And now you, I know you mentioned uh, your your husband's boyfriend. Is this? Can we? Are you using it? Because it's it's Tom from Instagram, right? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I, my husband's I, boyfriend. I was like, it can't be. I was like, it can't be that secret because it's on Instagram. Okay. Okay. So that <laughs> so that's your because I think that was like a big. I don't know. That was a big thing when you kind of went public with that, and that certainly is something that happened uh, since we last spoke to you. A big revelation in your relationship structure. Uh, can you talk a little bit about like why you made that decision? Conversation? Anything that you would well, be willing to share? You know, I coined the term monogamish to describe my relationship with Terry a long time ago. Yeah. Because we were mostly monogamous. Like when we were having sex, it right. was almost always with each other. Every once in a while, someone else, when all the planets aligned, which was rarely. But our lesbian friends in Seattle like to joke that if you add me and Terry together, you get one lesbian. Because we would always <laughs> like start fucking, you know, some guy. And then we would like start hanging out with that guy. And then they would move in. <laughs> You know, oh my God. We were that's so funny. One lesbian, we were you hauling it. And so we called those guys our very special guest stars. And then at a certain point, like we just had to say, okay, this is a boyfriend and this is different. We have a boyfriend. Mm. Um, and for a while, like we had one boyfriend, you know, and Terry's the one of us that has games. So it's usually somebody that Terry began to date and then began to date us as a couple. And we were very kind of public about those relationships in Seattle, not quite on the down low. We weren't hiding anything. The boyfriend could like okay. tell people he was our boyfriend. But then like, you know, some years ago, we had to like be honest that what we were now was poly. We weren't monogamish. We weren't mostly monogamous. We were poly. And we had, we were throuple. We had two or three throuple relationships uh, and then Terry and I were in a throuple and then Terry and that guy broke up. That guy and I did not break up. Terry got a new boyfriend. I kept that boyfriend. And so now Terry oh. has a boyfriend, Tom, and I have a boyfriend um, who does not like <laughs> to be talked about. Uh, and okay. is in the next okay. room and is probably going to wring my neck after I get off the phone. <laughs> so you guys can never let me uh, finish this podcast because I'm going to die at the end of it. <laughs> If you hurt and Dan, like, there'll be trouble. You know, our feeling when we were with other guys was like, they have a right to their own experience. We can't swear them yeah. to secrecy. We can't make them sign an NDA. Yeah. You know, you guys know as like sex podcasters and sex havers that whenever somebody tries to isolate you and tells you you can't confide in friends or tell anybody about the relationship, that's a red flag. And so we yeah, didn't do that. Yeah, it's abusive. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, Tom was a more public person than our past boyfriends were about being on okay. Instagram and wanting to like be publicly the boyfriend of Terry's on Instagram. Um, whereas my boyfriend would literally uh, slit my throat if I put a picture of him on Instagram. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, have, I, the, I have the imaginary boyfriend. He's not on social media at all. That's so, amazing though. For all nice. anybody oh. knows, he's a figment of my imagination. That's, that's great. so much less stress though when they don't have social media. Oh, that's such a turn on. Honestly, I'm really happy to hear this because I was concerned that all, Terry had a boyfriend and then you didn't and then you only had a husband and I was a little bit mad on your behalf even though there was no reason for that. So this is really calming well, my nerves. And I know that's what you wanted maybe, to do on today's episode. Maybe I'm a cuck too. Uh, maybe I, that's I, what I wanted what? all along. Oh, shoot. 
No, I know, I know. Sorry. I'm here for it. I just, I'm always, I'm elite. I'm just very much like everyone gets an equal amount. Otherwise, it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, which is a crazy thing about relationships is like, you know, sometimes it's not about what's fair or the equal amounts, like parents dividing ice cream between siblings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's about, is everybody happy? Yeah. Right. You know, is each person getting what they sure uh, enough of their needs met, what they want, and that may look from the outside like an imbalance, but inside the relationship, how does it feel? That's what matters. And if it feels mm. fair, even if you know one person's getting th you know twice as much ice cream as the other person, if both people are satisfied with the amount of ice cream they're getting, or one person is turned on watching the other person eat more ice cream than they get, then that's fine. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I know like um I love that you, you've coined so many terms that we now have like these tools in our tool belts to to talk about these things because you've coined these terms. So thank you for that. Monogamish is one that I really loved. And the, the last relationship that I had with a guy we were for seven years, we experimented with three ways and we would take girls out on dates and then um, he would fuck them and I would watch. And it was just like so hot and so fun. And it really bonded us. Like it made me feel so much closer to him, which is not something I expected. I really loved that. Like we were on this adventure together. Uh, but being poly, does that make you feel closer to your husband? Huh. Um, yeah, yes and no. Like we've been together 30 years and relationships change over time. Um, he's certainly more passionate about his boyfriend than he is about me, but the boyfriend's newer and shinier, even at, you know, they've been together five years. It's a long-term relationship at this point. But, you know, there's kind of a bedrock deeper intimacy that we have that sometimes Terry's boyfriend is insecure about because we have this long history and we have mm -hmm. this ease and rapport with each other that requires less face time than, mm -hmm. than they require to build their relationship. But what was the question? Sorry, the edibles kicking in. Like, um, so... <laughs> Nice. Uh, experiencing cuckolding and exploring that fetish made me feel closer to my boyfriend. And I was asking if, if, oh. if Polly made you feel closer to Terry or it just it was adjacent to your relationship with him. It keeps us, it, what we say, I wouldn't say, you know, I feel very close. What we say routinely is we're not bored. Most couples together 30 years, I kind of looking at each other like, waiting for one of us to die or both of us to die at this point. <laughs> we have <laughs> right. We have so much to talk about, so much to process. Um, you know, there's your public facing self when you do a job like mine, which is always like having a good time and everything's great. We've had like, we've screamed divorce in each other's faces. We've been into couples counseling. Like there's been shit to process and a lot of it had to do with our relationships with other people. Um, mm. But we worked through it and it's interesting you know i'm kind of avoiding like are we closer well he spends a lot of time with his boyfriend i spent a lot of time with my boyfriend so like arguably we have less time with each other than we used to so are we more distant now i don't know like one of the things that he says to me is i love you because i can have tom too and one of the things i say to him is like yeah. i love you because i don't have to choose between you and your ex-boyfriend my boyfriend our boyfriend um and <laughs> So, like, yeah, we're married still, but we're less married than we were, but no less committed, mm. if that makes sense. 
Yeah, because you have an unspoken language between each other. I mean, the, the 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 like the psychic language that you have with Terry, that's like the foundation that you've built and the, all of the things that you've been through. I imagine is you can't a hurricane can't take that away. Like that is a solid foundation. Yes, I agree. And, and even if we ended up parting, a hurricane still couldn't take that away. Yeah. Like you have your history. Uh, I've I've said since I started writing Savage Love that I don't think. Uh, I think two people can survive a relationship and that relationship have been a success. Two people can get out of a relationship, each of them alive, and it been a success. <laughs> right. You know, relationships are the only thing where someone has to die for people to go, good job, you win. You successful did it. relationship. Yeah, you mm -hmm. did it. Death parted you. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I get always uncomfortable talking about these things because it does feel like whistling past the world's most densely populated graveyard. Nothing ah. can ever break us up. And that'll be coming out of my mouth and Terry will be talking to a lawyer and I won't know about it for <laughs> right. a week, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that you are now polyamorous because I that's something I really wanted to talk to you about today. Uh, the influx in emails that we've got with people calling themselves polyamorous and then us kind of looking into it and just being like, it's more like, as you say, poly under duress. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit more? What you mean by that? Uh, where you think polyamory is head? Like, is it really more popular? Are people doing it right? I mean, I know there's different ways to do it, but it just seems like a lot of people are saying it about themselves. And it's I'm like, oh, I, I don't just want to think you understand what you're getting yourself into. Well, there's a lot of nuance and gray area because almost all people, you know, particularly people who are older than 29 and 11 months who are in open or poly relationships were in monogamous relationships before. And often the relationship they're in now had been a monogamous relationship. So right. most open relationships transition from closed to open. And often that's rocky. And I, you know, I started calling it PUD, poly under duress, because some people agree to be poly or open the relationship, not the same thing, although a lot of people conflate those terms, because right. they've been issued an ultimatum. I'm leaving or we're opening it up or I, or we're going to be poly. And then someone will be like, agree to those terms and they're unhappy about it. And then in five years, they're happy about it. Five years later, ah. it's no longer under duress. It's just poly. How do you know mm. during the under duress stage whether you're going to be one of those people? You don't. You have to kind of yeah. live it and experience it to find out. So, like, I, I think Terry and I dragged our feet about identifying publicly as poly for a very long time because of so many people who identify as poly publicly are kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes thank you so annoying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the poly community really hates me for some things i said in our book and i and i like kind of chuckle as i read their reviews of the book because i'm like i, I stand by it <laughs> you're, you're proving the poly that. community hates me too <laughs> uh, or many of them do because i don't think poly is a sexual orientation or an identity mm, right. i think it's a relationship mm. model it works for some people doesn't work yes. for others and what i've seen in a lot of my mail is well i came out as poly and my partner doesn't respect my identity and they're not allowing me to sleep with other people therefore it's as if i'm uh, not being allowed to be gay or i'm being rejected for coming out as bi and it's like oh, it's so manipulative no bitch that's not the same thing i, mean, I don't and i don't say that like monogamy is better i don't think monogamy is better. I, I think monogamy is unnatural. I think it's a struggle. I think, you know, as I've said, if, you know, if you're with somebody for 50 years in a monogamous relationship and they only cheat on you 
four times. They were really good at monogamy, not bad at monogamy. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and so like this idea that people have like a monogamous sexual orientation or a polyamorous sexual orientation is kind of a get out of negotiating the hard part of a relationship free card this this attempt mm. to like short circuit the conversation or or lay down a trump card and say you can't argue with me about this because this is my identity and it's like yeah no you don't get to play that like someone is free to go if this is not the kind of relationship they want to be in and if you want to sort of reverse engineer the terms of your commitment okay but you can't impose terms and you can't and this i don't think this happens out of like certain neighborhoods in San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, where people like are shamed if their partner comes out as poly and they don't want to stay in that relationship. Mm. But I've heard from people who were shamed by their communities for, because they made their partner feel rejected. And it's like, no, no. Oh. And, and those not, are the I'm poly people who annoy me. And you know what? Like as with so many like yeah. activist types, the annoying ones aren't representative of the whole or even the majority, they're just often the loudest and have the Instagram accounts and are creating mm -hmm. the memes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I rejected when I was, you know, 30 years ago, started running steps off, even before that as a gay man, I rejected uh, monogamist supremacy, that people who were monogamous were doing it right, doing it better, that that's what true love was. And now you see people kind of making the same argument from the poly side, that if you're not poly, you're right. doing it wrong. You know, you're not able to love openly, not able to love in like a broad and transcendent and more highly evolved way. And that's just bullshit. Like monogamy works for some people. Monogamy works for some people who are now poly who will or open who will one day be in a monogamous relationship again and shouldn't and they shouldn't during their like poly stage of their lives be so fucking judgy about people who are monogamous because we you might choose that again as you chose it before i can't imagine mm -hmm. a time in my life i'd ever want to be monogamous again i tried uh it didn't work but i could see being in a closed relationship again someday hmm. so long as my partner continued to fuck other people yeah yeah how yeah and what like do you have any um insight that you've learned about how to maintain a polyamorous relationship like like checking in or uh because we do we, we have so many people write us about it and we're like i i don't know what to tell you also it seems like your boyfriend just kind of wants to cheat and wants to get away with like <laughs> and, and they're, they're all like, really and they're all like 24 for poly yeah like, yeah <laughs> right and it's like do you really have respect for the and like you said it's a relationship model but like yeah have you found any uh any helpful insights since uh being in it the cliche is around poly that you have to communicate, communicate, talk everything to death and resolve everything. Anybody mm. in a monogamous relationship knows that there are some things you can never resolve. You just have to kind of agree to ignore together. Mm -hmm. That's true in polyamorous <laughs> relationships too. It's just, you've got to get more people on board mm. with ignoring that thing, whatever it is. Mm. And getting to consensus when there's two is hard. Getting to consensus when there's four or three <laughs> is harder. Well, harder. <laughs> yeah. If you have some sort of insane polycule that involves tens of thousands of people, it's even harder. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't, you know, privilege long-term relationships over short-term relationships, that it's hard and these relationships may not be forever. That's not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe that yeah, I wish we talked more about successful short-term relationships because most of our relationships are going to be short-term. 
Mm-hmm. We have a lot of hookups, a lot of one night stands, a lot of people we date briefly, a lot of friends with benefits. We have one or two partners that are with us for years or decades over the course of our lives. Most of our relationships are short term relationships. And if you go into right. all of your relationships, the attitude like I'm going to make the best of this however long it lasts, then even mm-hmm. if it's, you know, only for a weekend or a couple of weeks or a few months, you're likelier to emerge from that relationship with someone not hating you. And you not hating them. Isn't that nice? We should yeah, always because all be, uh, of our stuff can come up in a relationship. Yeah, like our, our isms, thinking, our, our triggers. We should always be thinking about how to stick the dismount because we're going to dismount most of the people that we mount. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. When I, and I also think it's like it's interesting because uh, I I don't think of polyamory so much more as a more evolved relationship stru- structure, but as an advanced one because you're you are dealing with so many more people, and so I don't want to like ever take away from like a 24 year old that they maybe are polyamorous but it just seems like I don't know how you could have gotten to that advanced level of relationship without almost mastering monogamy or monogamish relationship I mean it just feel it, it's kind of like when people like do acid before smoking pot you know it's like you just need to kind of <laughs> You just need to work up to it a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think having one boyfriend before you have four is probably a good idea. <laughs> right? It's yes. like a, I, everyone acts like, I, acts like I'm a stick in the mud. I'm like, I think this is just logical. You can just look at it logically and it makes sense. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. If there's anything I could change about the way people talk about polyamory is I would rip out 
from the motherboard, I am polyamorous and replace mm. it with, I want a polyamorous relationship ultimately. Right. Cause I don't think any yeah. of us are monogamous or are polyamorous. There are different kinds of relationship models that work and might work for us at different stages of our lives. And that's how yeah. we should yeah. talk about them as a structure or a tool or whatever, or, but it's not. Yeah. You're exploring. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't go to your core, like being gay or lesbian or bi or trans or demisexual or sapiosexual or frasexual or graysexual, whatever. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. Yeah, because I, I mean, I was the girlfriend in um, an open marriage for a short, you know, like maybe like six, eight months, something like that. Obviously, something I went into knowing it would not be permanent. And like, it was literally just because I needed, I was like, wanted a relationship, but like kind of a distant one. <laughs> like, it was very thought out. I was like, I don't want to be the primary. I don't have, I have a lot of like healing that I need to do on my own right now. So this is the perfect amount of relationship for me. Yeah, and that's one of the things that can be great about an open relationship or polyamorous relationship. You know, when people, you know, people ask, you know, are you jealous? And it's like, yeah, of course, sometimes. Like, don't you get, you know, like monogamy protects you from jealousy. Right. Um, But then when people, people don't think about the advantages either, which aren't just like erotic, which aren't just, you know, exciting to, you know, to watch your husband fuck somebody else can remind you how hot your husband is sometimes Mm -hmm. but like i injured my shoulder and i had this crazy shoulder surgery and the and the real risk after you've had this shoulder surgery is you're going to fall and re-injure it right after the surgery and i was on crazy pain meds and our house is all these steep uncarpeted stairs and Mm. the doctor was like you can't go up and down the stairs unaccompanied. Somebody has to hold your arm and like, it feels like such an invalid. If we were monogamous, that all would have fallen to Terry. But because we're polyamorous, there was somebody else who could be drafted when I needed my teeth brushed or to be walked up and down the stairs in those two weeks. (laughs) And those things are like, you know, we got through the COVID pandemic and there were three of us in the house most of the time. And I could hang out with Terry and when we annoyed each other, he could go hang out with his boyfriend. And when <laughs> yeah. his boyfriend was annoyed, his boyfriend could come hang out with me. We were always kind of this shifting little society. Amoeba. Yeah. Yeah. I just read Laura Kipnis's book, Love in the Time of Contagion, which is about, Ooh. as so many New Yorkers experienced, like trapped in a tiny little apartment with one other person and then mm. driving you insane. And yeah. when Terry drove Tom insane, he could complain to me. And I could be impressionable yeah. about how annoying Terry is and <laughs> vice versa. When I drove Tom insane or Terry insane, they could complain to each other. And it was kind of great. I think yeah, because you we see were less traumatized of, by the pandemic. Yeah, that's that's amazing because you do see yourself through your partner's eyes, right? And so a renewed sense of enthusiasm for everything you are in the form of a newer p- boyfriend who doesn't hasn't known you as long, does not know nearly all the things about you that Terry does. That's exciting and it's nice and it helps. It's a nice little <laughs> burst of energy. And you know what else is great about watching your long-term partner date somebody else that Potemkin version of yourself that false front you put up when you meet when you first met your partner a million years ago that we all put up Uh you're watching them put that up for a new person that's so cute they're, they're trying but then you reap the benefits of the effort they're making to be better than you actually know that they are because you've so seen funny. behind the facade now that's and so you get funny. to kind of that's bask really in that. you get to like 
be reminded like the, of the pretend version of your partner when you first yeah. met them. Oh, he's cleaning <laughs> up extra now, but he, the, that person will find out soon that he doesn't actually like doing that. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. It's also kind of fun to have a reason to be on your best behavior because I feel like a long-term relationship, you're like, eh, I don't have the motivation to be on my best behavior at all times. Like, yeah. And that's one of the comforts of a long-term relationship is that you don't. Right. You know, you can start farting in front of each other. And then right. somebody else is around and suddenly your husband isn't farting in front of you anymore. Not because of you, not because he respects you, but because he's worried about what his new boyfriend might think. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Well, one of the things I think about, you said it on an episode of Savage Lovecast, who knows, a, a, a long time ago, I think, was it was something to the effect of like, even if you're with someone for a long amount of time, you still have to have some like a, some fairy tale elements that you still uh, hold on to even for that long term partner. Um, so are there any things that like you even after 30 years that are disgusting or repulsive that Terry hasn't seen you do or doesn't know about you? Because I really like I really like hate farting. And like, so I'm not going to say I've never farted in front of a boyfriend, but like I really try not to even in a long term relationship and I and I ask the same of them like just you know it's like a little thing but I just it's really just like, don't want to smell you. it yeah. Like, yeah 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 you don't want to f- yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just an ex- certainly yeah there are those things um, <laughs> like what I've always said is that a you know a relationship is a myth that two people or more now create about who they yeah. are and what they mean to each other and if all you really have is like the moment we're living in the past is just a story. What are you going to highlight? What are you going to omit? What are you going to, you know, how are you going to edit that story? What are you telling each other? What are you telling other people? Um, and that's what the relationship is. And, you know, we have, we all have friends who are toxic, who every story they tell about themselves or their relationships is negative. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And you know, there's some amount of denial going on, I think, in healthy relationships, you know, and our friends whose relationships seem perfect. They're not perfect, but they may be telling, uh, you know, a story that's a little glossier and that's intentional. And I think that that's a something that people do for each other. You know, when I'm turning Terry out in the best possible way for public consumption, I'm, you know, when I write about him in one of my books or whatever, uh, I'm... That's a, one of the ways that I love him, actively love him, right? Yeah. And he does the same for me. And then there's like what goes on behind the scenes, which is a lot of like pain Farting. and drama and um, the, the rest of it. The good stuff too that we may highlight, uh, but then the rest of it, which is the price of admission, which is like the shit you have to slog through. And yeah. what are you gonna? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with that? Like, do you ever the get more alone you repeat time? that? The more you repeat that shit, the 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 bigger it is issue you make it in your own relationship. Mm. Yeah, and people can do. They have a lot of broken records going on in their head about certain storylines that they just won't allow themselves to let go and move beyond. And it's like it's easy to do. You just have to catch yourself and go. Eh, we're we're looking forward. We're not looking back. Yeah, the the gr- we call that the grievance committee, and our grievance committee will meet. And there's like old shit that gets that comes up in conflict that might get thrown around. Uh, but that's always a choice. Like we are throwing that shit around right now. And then, you know, if we're not going to break up, we're going to have to clean that shit up. Maybe we should throw it around less often because mm, there's less yeah. cleaning up to do then. And these are all like decisions people can make if they think it through. And if they don't want to. Yeah, the in. thinking it through. Like, 
And then not wanting to win. When so many people in a relationship want to win the relationship and there's no winning, there's only dying or breaking up. Yeah. I always say there's no winning in relationships. So I'm glad you backed me up there. (laughs) I do back you up there. It's absolutely true. (laughs) There's no winning. And and if you're in a relationship with somebody with a competition, then like you need to break up and get into therapy. Yeah, you do. We're all all losing. As I've, I've, so I was in a relationship for seven years. We lived together for six, and so after we broke up, I've lived alone since. So I guess for three years or four years, I forget. Time, time is fake. But um, four, uh, four Uh, ish. Yeah. What a what a gift to live alone. Uh, I've I've never experienced it before. I've never had alone time like this in my life before. It is incredible to the point where it makes me go. People who date and live together, that's like mental illness. Like that's insane. Like how do two people live together? So my question to you is, do you get that alone time? (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly. That too. I was just texting with a friend today who's a little sad about being single again and for a while. And my first note to him was like, oh my God, the autonomy you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. I haven't had that autonomy you know, I was in a relationship before Terry for five years. Mm-hmm. I've never lived alone. There are times when Terry's been away and it, Tom's been away, or, you know, before Tom, Terry, I was alone in the house and I kind of loved it. Like I'd clean the whole house and it would stay cleaned. <gasps> mm, that nice. And, yeah. you know, I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. And yeah, so I think there's an. I think there's an upside to, to to being single, just like there's an upside to monogamy. You know, I'm a polyamorous person. I can look at monogamous relationships and say, if it's successfully monogamous, there's more security where disease is concerned. For a lot of people, there's more emotional security in a monogamous relationship. Certainly for men, paternal security in a successfully mm-hmm. monogamous relationship. Those kids are yours. Mm-hmm. I can recognize, you know, as a long partnered person, the like upside of being single, the autonomy, yeah. the freedom you know, also the freedom to like bring somebody else into your space or your body and then send them away. Yeah. <laughs> There's no sending away. Right. Uh, at our house. Or even making dinner and you don't, you don't even, that, the thing that struck me the most is I wanted to get something to eat after I broke up and we, he moved out. And I was like, I don't have to consider him. That is incredible. And he wasn't like a terrible boyfriend at all. I loved our relationship, but not having to consider a, a romantic partner. I was like, whoa, this is way more fun than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Yeah, that's the answering to thing. And that's something that we struggle with all the time because, you know, when we were throwing the divorce word at each other a few years ago, it was like we were tired of the obligation of the the veto power that we both seem to have over each other's happiness and choices. Mm. And it, it got to a point where we had to let that go. And, you know, really what that came to was we were gonna, you know, we were able to talk about it calmly after some couples therapy sessions. We were gonna either... Uh, love and support and leave each other or love and support and let each other. And I know I sound like some sort of bad 70s relationship manual, woohoo cheese ball, but we chose love, support and let. And it's been much more peaceful around ours since. Nice. How how has sex changed? How has what sex means <laughs> to you changed? How has it changed over your, your lifetime to, oh to you God. specifically? I've always been such a horny monster and I still <laughs> am. Yeah, me too. It's fun. Like, when you it say monster, get... what do you mean? Well, I mean, not I'm not like Jeffrey Dahmer or something. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I wish I, 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 my mother was dying in a hospital in Tucson 
And I like was at the end of this long hallway that all these other hallways intersected with. So like people would appear crossing the halls and I'm on the phone and I'm bawling my eyes out and I'm trying to get my brother on the phone who's at a Cubs game because she suddenly took a huge turn for the worse and was dying. Like she had hours and we're trying to get my mom on the, my brother on the phone to say goodbye to my mom. And I'm on the phone and I'm like crouched down on the floor bawling and a hot nurse goes by and I'm just like, <laughs> and then back to the call and Solid. bawling. And that's, I, I think, you know, when you talk to trans men about what it was like to get on testosterone, that's what it is to be a, a testosterone-soaked dick monster. Like, it's just this other person presence yeah. in, in your head. Uh, and, like, my mom is dying in the other room. And I'm like, huh, look at that. That piece of ass. Mm. I pulled out of it for a second. <laughs> and that's happened to me again and again and again. It, you know, it was happening to me when I was 13. I'm 57. It still happens to me. Um, <laughs> sex is still really important to me. Sex, you know, a lot of people in long-term committed relationships get bored sexually over time. Esther Perel in her terrific book, um, Mating in Captivity and uh, State of the, the State of Affairs. Oh, yeah, she's Fucking amazing. Me too. She talks about, you know, she's trying to gently give advice to people in monogamous closed relationships not to be fucking psychos. And she talks about, like, <laughs> it should be okay to flirt, to see your partner flirt with somebody else, because it helps you see your partner through someone else's eyes and reminds you of their desirability, which makes you uh, want them again in maybe a way you didn't want them before you got to that party or that dance club. And for us, it's like that sex club or that, you know, whatever it is that we went to, or just like, you know, watching Terry's boyfriend kiss him, like cuddle up to him on the couch or yeah. my boyfriend kiss me, cuddle up on the couch. Like part of me goes like, oh, I want some of that from Terry. Yeah. You know? Whereas yeah. if it was uh, the two of us sitting on a couch after 30 years, like. Yeah, it's the otherness. It's it's honoring your partner's otherness because when two people merge into one, first of all, ugh, but second of all, you can't want to fuck the other person because you're one unit. There's not right. two Especially people Especially when you fuck. merge into one lesbian like Terry and I did 25 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> uh, well, you kind of you kind of uh, answered the one of the other questions I had for you, which was about sexuality during grief, because I know you were you know you spoke you said you you said something very lovely uh, when Christine and I were listening to your show on a road gig, and it was kind of about you know how if you're crying a lot, it, you know that that is all love, like that's the, the love coming out, and I think of that often because my dad passed away eight months ago, and I still I'm basically still crying every day about it. I'm going to cry right now talking about it. Um, and so I think of that a lot. Uh, but I'm so sorry. No, so, I was like, I can't actually go into it because I'll be like crying on the podcast still. Um, but my, my question comes from sexuality and grief because I felt a real detachment from my sexuality since then. And like, I'm not worried about it. I, I am someone who like, I've had a lot of um, loss in the past four years. And so Every time someone dies, I like, I kind of like sh my, like, and I'm talking about like, I can't, I'm not a big masturbator, but like, I can't masturbate at all. But it was interesting to hear you being able, like, still being so horny while your mom is dying. Um, cause I was hope I was hoping you would offer me some like great gem about like, it's gonna come back or like, this is how you get it back. And I'm like, damn it, this man never lost it. <laughs> well, there was like a, maybe a couple of months right after my mom died. That was like the autopilot kicking in and reminding me my dick was still in my pants. I didn't chase the nurse down the hall. Right, um, right. Although part of me wanted to. Right. I, I wish I could tell you, quote unquote, it gets better. Right. Like the 14th anniversary of my mother's death just passed. Yeah. And I was completely a wreck. 
uh, there's been a lot of shit and drama in our, our family recently. And all I've wanted to do is talk to my mom yeah. about what to do and what to say and, and how to, how to be. And she's not there. And it like just guts me, you know? And part of me, like, I wish my mom could meet my boyfriend. I wish my mom could see that, you know, we're still together and happy because, you know, my mom was really freaked out when I was gay and then really freaked out when Aww. I, Terry and I came out as like open. She was not pleased. And, uh, I wish she could, wish she could be here, but I wish I could talk to her, but I can't. And it like, you get thrown back into that grief, but it becomes, it, it becomes more contained. Like we have to contain it. One oh, of the, yeah. ter- the terrors of life is like more is coming. Oh, and you have yeah. to figure out how to take the little bit. And it feels enormous, like a parent dies. And what you realize later is that that's just a tiny share of the grief you're going to be handed the longer you live. Yeah. You know, I think of my grandparents, my great grand aunt, who watched everyone that she knew and loved die. Yeah. How did she get up in the morning? How was she so fucking cheerful? Yeah. Like, what did she master? I don't know how much sex she was having or how often she was masturbating. We didn't talk about that shit. <laughs> but she was the loveliest, most cheerful person on earth. And she had nursed everyone that she knew in life, including my mother, predeceased my great aunt. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know how we handle it, but eventually we do. We learn to. And there's so much grief the longer you live. Uh, it must get contained in a smaller and smaller place by some natural process that's not intentional, that that isn't about right. decisions. And then when you learn to like, when you you intuitively like begin to contain it, then the sex like rushes back in uh, and fills yeah, it. Sex like, is I, about I, life and the body. Grief is right. about love and, and transcendence and, and is ephemeral. Love is ephemeral and grief is ephemeral. And there's something about sex that is of the body uh, and to be thrown back into the body. So, yeah, it was really important to me not long after my mother died that my husband beat the shit out of me sexually in consensual yeah. ways. <laughs> that's right, 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 right. I figured. Yeah, grief makes me horny for some reason. I don't know what that's about. I haven't really grieved a lot of things, but um, it makes me very, very horny. Maybe that's a desire to escape. I don't know. But like truly get wet thinking about grief like not thinking about it but like in the midst of grief just masturbating so elaborately (laughs) yeah for me it's stress like when i'm under a lot of stress i need uh, i need to i need to i need unleash yeah 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 i hope i hope what in whatever form it returns for you and i'm so sorry about your father's death um the only thing that helped me was to see my grief as a memorial and a monument to my mom and what she meant to me, because then my grief didn't feel purposeless. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I began to kind of visualize it in my head as like this, you know, Taj Mahal mausoleum. Oh, and yeah. The, and the enormity of it, the enormity of my grief spoke to the like the, the enormity of my love for my mother. And so that it did sometimes crush me after sort of shifting my perspective like that. It made me feel better to be crushed at those moments and not despair mm. when I was crushed in those moments. Yeah. And I still I still feel them. I really do. No, I mean I can feel it now. I'm like you're going you're making me cry talking about your mom. Well, I mean it's listen, I you know, it's something kind of like 
it's pretty inevitable that your parents will die, obviously, before I mean, hopefully before you. I think any parent would agree they would like to die before you. Um, but, uh, you know, the <laughs> not way right I, before you, not right <laughs> before you no. But the way the, and I, I knew it was going to be bad because of the way people talked about it, you know, and I think a lot of times in from for me, people over dramatize things. But I was like, if anything, people are under dramatizing the the death of a parent and like anyone that you talk to uh, who has lost a parent, especially like if it was a little I feel like I'm just like it was weird because my mom is you know well into her 60s and she lost her dad 10 days before my dad and, and so it's like I just wasn't expecting I'm uh, you know I'm like yeah. all my you know I'm the oldest grandchild so everyone had lost people when they were older and I'm like you know I feel younger because I have a young lifestyle I'm not really that young but you know 35 is still a little a little young to lose yes a, it, a it is young. yeah it is so I just it just kind of like I was like, oh, it just like kind of caught me like super off guard. And it was like very dramatic and bad um, anyway. But yeah, I don't know. I just and I, I, I mean, this is this is getting real woo woo. But I mean, like, do you ever feel like your mom is like watching you when you get fucked? Like, oh, when you get fucked? <laughs> or are you or you're not that spirit? Like, are you not that into ghosts? I mean, yeah. I because I feel my dad. I do feel him all around me. And then I'm just like, like Can on the nose, away? like I want to fuck picking my, you know, on the couch, picking yeah. my nose. And I'm like, oh, does he see this? <laughs> my mom doesn't watch me get fucked because I'm a top. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, like, I, I don't. I don't. You know, I wish I did. I wish I could believe that. You know, she was watching or present in some way because I don't believe yeah. in any sort of an afterlife. Okay. And Have you? It ugh. would be a comfort to feel like, oh, I think my mom's watching me get fucked right now. Yeah. Then <laughs> I, it would know that that she lived. Right. Um, yeah. I do. Oh, I do yeah. If if you are in the market for a book about it, uh, I I watched Surviving Death on Netflix, which is a docu series, and I, my mind was blown. Uh, and I discovered Laura Lynn Jackson, who has two New York Times bestselling books, uh, The Light Between Us and Signs, and she's a medium. And holy shit, some of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard. Some of the most healing. A lot of it was like a, a mother whose uh, daughter passed away because she was an addict and the mother carries all this grief. And Laura writes about like the messages that the daughter had for the mother. And you just, in the videos, I've watched a lot of her videos on YouTube too. It just, you watch these people get healed in the way that I'm, I didn't grow up with it, is any religion, zero religion. So any, any of it is just new to me. I'm just curious about it. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I'm like, wow, this is, I think what people talk about when you like go to church and you get healed or whatever the fuck, or now she's in a wheelchair and now she can walk. But it's these messages of like, you know, you don't have to hold on to this guilt or you don't have to hold on to X, Y, Z, whatever it was. Um, I highly recommend Laurel and Jackson's books if that's a topic that interests you. So just I will check it that. out. Okay. <laughs> the Catholic Church ruined me for mediums, though, because I imagine the yeah, Pope the is supposed to be the ultimate medium. And like, oh, oh, I never really thought really? about it that way. Oh, OK. All right. Yeah. 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 Oof. Catholicism um, is brutal. I know yeah. my, you know, my mom went to Catholic school and stuff. So she's told me stories about nuns hitting your knuckles with rulers. And I go, that doesn't sound good. And those nuns, you know, I'm 57. I had the same nun in fourth grade that my mom had in the same room <gasps> that my grandma had in the same Whoa. room because Chicago Catholics knock them out quick. Damn. And they didn't, you know, I'm a, like perceived as post-Vatican II by older Catholics, but they didn't round up all the awful nuns the day after Vatican II in the churchyard and shoot them. Like they kind of like worked through the system abusing kids until they died off in the 80s and 90s. And yeah. so, yeah, I had a lot of the, and it was con more confusing for us sort of in the midst of Vatican II kids, because you didn't know who was a singing nun, who was going to be your friend, and who was like a scary nun, because they'd all like take you <laughs> on the house. But 
Some of them were going to beat yeah. you up and some of them were going to be your best friend. And it was very disorienting. Awful. That's awful. What yeah. an awful But thank God for Catholicism. Like all of my kinks uh, tie back to Catholicism. Um, and I That's love them. That's beautiful. They have enriched my life. I wouldn't um, know my boyfriend who, you know, it was kink that brought us together. Like we had this crazy kinky experience um, and that's how we met. And it's Aww. funny to think, you know, when I tell people are coming out when they're like 15, 16, even 36, that right now coming out is a crisis. Right now coming out is going to like all the worst things are going to happen. Your parents are going to be shitty. You, you know, you're going to lose friends. It's like chaos and drama. And in 15 years, your life is going to be full of people you wouldn't know if you weren't gay. And you're going to be so glad that you know these people. Aww. That you wouldn't yeah. know if you were gay. And I feel that way about my kinks and my boyfriend. Like, I wouldn't know him if we didn't have this in common. And so, thank God for the Catholic Church and yeah. what it did to us. Catholic wow. Church love story. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's um, I wanted to ask one final question. Um, unless, did you have another question? No. Um, so, <laughs> because you've been giving sex advice for for so long, you've seen, I often think about how the gap between what I am comfortable talking about and the self-reflection that I do on a regular basis. And then I think about people, my parents' age and the type of self-reflection that they do. And it's just, it's not there. A Republican drafted in the Navy, Fox News parents. So, so there is such a, such a large gap. We are on two different planets. My parents and I will never understand each other. Um, it's something I've recently started to accept. But I'm like, wow, that's it's crazy how one generation it, it, there's such a vast difference between what we're comfortable with and what how deeply we want to look inside ourselves. And so it's, but I imagine you are on the forefront of people's questions, uh, you know, for you, like people throwing their situations at you go, what do I do? Ha have you yeah. noticed like what like have you noticed the younger people like I'm talking like teens and 20s like what is there like how is how are we evolving in terms of like our comfort with sex like how have you seen that evolved over the last 30 years you've been giving advice oh my god I think people are much more comfortable talking about it and somehow paradoxically right now less comfortable doing it mm -hmm. there's it this sex recession yeah. uh, among people under 30 35 they're having a lot less sex um their first sexual experiences tend to be coming later. And I guess, you know, you can look at that as like, maybe it's a problem because sex can bring a lot of love and intimacy and joy into your life. It can also be a solution because for some people, sex, if it's not sex they want to have, even if it's a sex they consented to, might bring a lot of like pain and trauma and awfulness. And maybe people are being more thoughtful and conscientious about when they choose to be sexual and with whom. But I think there's a lot of learning we do sexually and in relationships through trial and error. And we seem to have hit a point where we're defining error as trauma. Like if something went wrong or you didn't enjoy it, you have to round it up to trauma. And mm. self-fulfilling prophecies are really a thing with sex and relationships. If you oh, tell yeah. people that cheating is the worst thing a person can ever do and you can't forgive that, it's always the end of a relationship. Well, then it's going to be all those things. Well, if you mm -hmm. tell people that, you know, trial and error sexually if there was error and i don't mean ma malicious i don't mean somebody you know abusing you just like two people colliding with each other where it's like an unpleasant interaction even but sure. consensual like if you have to round that up to trauma well then you're going to be gun shy and maybe then not have the positive experience that can put that negative experience into perspective in a different context as you pull away 
And there's this paranoia now, I think, among a lot of young people about any sort of power differential. Um, rather than looking at a relationship and seeing any relationship between two or more people, there's going to be different kinds of power that are going to exist in either partner to different degrees, right? There's a lot yeah. of this age gap shit that I see online that like, I have to laugh. My boyfriend is 22 years younger than I am. My husband's boyfriend is 23 years younger than he is. Nobody's mm -hmm. getting raped at our house, right? Nobody's nice. getting abused <laughs> no or exploited. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. At least I'd like, I, I mean, I'd like to think so, right? Right, right. And yet, I'm, it's just like when I used to tell, I've written about like my first sexual experience. I was 15 and it was with a woman, in a, I had a three way when I lost my virginity with a woman in her 20s. And like I had so many people yelling at me over the years that I have to call that a rape, even though, you know, statutorily, technically, but no, yeah. I was not raped. Um, but I have people telling me that I'm somehow harming people who were, who do feel that they were raped in, you know, similar age difference, uh, by not identifying it as a rape myself. And I kind of feel that that's what's going on with this age gap shit and some other shit where you have to say, well, this is an abuse of power because it can be. And so everybody who's in this has to describe their relationship as abusive or coercive or whatever. And like, I don't know. Doesn't I don't have know to how to that. do. I don't know how to respond to some of this because you're you're cast as you're you know somehow casting doubt on somebody else's experience of their own relationship and trauma. If you say, "Well, I went through the exact same thing," at least the outlines, and I'm not traumatized, right? By it, don't weaponize or, the trauma. Yeah, yeah. yeah because if you don't you feel. feel it, yeah. we've had a lot of people. We've had people uh, uh, write us in and say, "Like I was raped in my lifetime." It honestly. I, I understand what happened and it didn't traumatize me. Is that fucked up? And I'm like, no, however it hits you is how it hits you. And that's what you have to honor. Comparing is that's where you get yourself into trouble. Right. And convincing people that if that there's something wrong with them, if they don't experience something as traumatic, if they don't yeah. have PTSD is to, to lay a guilt trip on somebody who was, you know, legit, like abused or, or, or assaulted or, right. or, you know, or molested as kids. Not everyone who's molested as a kid has is struggling or feels traumatized. And yet mm -hmm. sometimes they're traumatized because the people around them are, tell them that they're broken because they don't feel traumatized. Mm -hmm. and it's like when a little kid a, falls when a little kid falls on its bike and it looks to you like, should I cry? And if you're like, you're okay. And, he, and you see the kid like not it be totally okay. And you're like, there we go. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, the, but the, you know, what you're going to get people jumping on you now to say is like, we used to not believe people. We used to pretend that a lot mm -hmm. of things that were coercive and abusive were just like boys being boys or just something that was a part of life. And it was wrong. And yeah, we have to find the balance between those two things between like, this shit is wrong, it shouldn't happen, people are more resilient than we've spent maybe the last 20 years pretending they are, and psyching some people out into believing they're not as resilient as they are. Beautiful. God damn, Dan Savage, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. Um, if you don't listen <laughs> well, to the Savage you. Love cast, you are a fool, everybody. Is there anything else you want to promote? <laughs> Uh, no, go to savage.love. My columns, my books, my podcasts, and my merch are all at www.savage.love. Yay. Awesome. Thank and, you and so thank much. Thank you guys. And I've been a lurking fan listener of your show since <laughs> the beginning. We're old timers uh -oh. now. We are podcast dinosaurs. 
I was I the podcaster when I was on your show for the first time, but now you guys are old <laughs> like me. Hell nice. yeah. It's well, fun club to be in. <laughs> it's an honor. Thank you so much, Dan. Guys We Fucked is presented by Luminary. Created and hosted by Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson. Editing and music coordination by Mike Coscarelli. Theme song by Rob Patterson and Jake Cozen. Suck my wet ass pussy. <laughs> Christina said to cut that before, but now it's in there. Yeah, let's keep it. Who cares? episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 